Take your Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Acts, chapter 7. Acts, chapter 7. And as you're turning, let me just say that I love our fellowship. I, I, I appreciate so much Brother Phil and, and uh, what he puts in and what he adds to our service and just the welcoming spirit. And uh, there's just something about us being together. Amen? Christian fellowship is one of the, one of the I think, strong points of uh, Hebron Baptist Church and what we do here and how God uses us in a, I think, in a special way here in the Bells area. You know, the Bible tells us to forsake not the assembling of ourselves together, and that's because we need one another. We need to lift up one another in prayer. We need that uh, fellowship. We need to just know that there are people standing beside us that we can depend on, that we can call upon at uh, all times. But I want to talk about something just a little bit different this morning. I want to talk about learning to stand alone. Even though I, I, I believe with all of my heart that we need to gather together. We need that uh, brotherhood and sisterhood. We need that koinonia, that fellowship of our relationships with one another, but we also need to learn how to stand alone and because there will come a time, I promise you, there will come a time in your life when uh, perhaps you're alone. Your brothers and your sisters aren't around. There'll come a time when you need to stand for Christ and there's no nobody standing there along beside you and so we need to learn how to stand alone. It may be, young people, it may be on a date. You may be out somewhere all by yourself and nobody else around. And you need to understand that you need to take a stand for the Lord Jesus Christ. It may be on a business trip. It may be that you're in a boardroom somewhere and you're voting on an important uh, uh, motion and uh, you need to stand for what's right and what's godly and what's holy. Sometimes we need to learn to stand alone. The Bible says that, uh, that we're to put on the full armor of God that we might be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. I heard, and I've told you this story before, but I just like it so much I'm going to tell it again. Uh, the little boy that had this old swayback mare, she was just an old gray, and she had this swayback, and a guy came, and he, she, he was standing there with his horse, and he was so proud of her. And uh, a guy said, son, is that your horse? And he said, it sure is. And he said, uh, it's a... Uh, it's uh, pretty swayed back, isn't it? And he said, yes, sir. Yes, sir. And he said, can she run fast? And he said, no, sir, he can't. she can't run fast, but she can sure stand fast. And, uh, and that's what we need to learn to do, amen? We need to be able to stand fast in our faith in Jesus Christ. It's going to be uh, certainly a whole lot easier when we're together, but sometimes... There will be times when we're not and we need to learn how to stand fast 
in the Lord. Stephen, who this uh, message is about this morning, had to learn how to stand alone, is preaching sometimes infuriated people. And it came to the place where they even gnashed their teeth and they rushed him and they stoned him to death. We pick up in the book of Acts chapter 7 and verse 54. And it says, when they heard these things, they were cut to the heart and they gnashed at him with their teeth. But he, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens opened and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. Then they cried out with a loud voice, stopped their ears and ran at him with one accord. And they cast him out of the city and stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named Saul. And they stoned Stephen and he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. Then he knelt down and he cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge them with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep. Let's go to the Lord. Father God, we come to you and we thank you for your goodness and for your love. We thank you for Jesus Christ. We thank you, Father, with the, for the strength and the power and the faith to be able to stand up when it is needed for the Lord. And I just ask you, God, to be with us this morning. I pray, God, that you teach us how that we can stand alone like Stephen. God, we just ask, Lord, your blessings on us today. I pray, God, your Holy Spirit would uh, anoint me that I might be able to share this message in a way that might be meaningful to each and every one here. Thank you for this, and uh, it's in Jesus' name. I ask the question sometimes to myself, what was it about Stephen? What enabled him? Because I know there have been times when I've had to stand alone for Jesus Christ. I'm sure that there have been times when you've had to stand alone for Jesus Christ. But I wonder sometimes if it was a, a matter of life and death. Oh, what was it about Stephen that made him able to be uh, take that stand? And to do what he did and to face those people even as they were stoning him to death and ask God to forgive them because they didn't understand what they were doing. What does it mean? Well, how did he do it? Well, the answer and the answer to the question in learning how to stand alone is that we need to be filled with the Holy Spirit of God. If you look there, in verse 55, it says there that, uh, but he being full of the Holy Spirit. Stephen was filled with the Holy Spirit. If you go back to chapter 6 and we see this understanding of the calling of the apostles and, and uh, or the, the, uh, the deacons of the early church. If you look in chapter 6 and verse 5, 
Let me turn back to that. In chapter, uh, chapter 6, verse 5, and it says, And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, and the Holy Spirit. And look again in verse 8. It says, And Stephen, full of faith and power, did great wonders and signs among the people. Stephen was a man that was filled with the Holy Spirit and because of that he had a great faith and he had a great power and he was able to do things because God allows us in Christ we can do all things. But what does it mean to be filled with the Holy Spirit? What does it mean? How, 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 what does it mean to be filled with? With the Holy Spirit. Well, the Bible teaches, of course, that the Holy Spirit is God, right? God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit is to be filled with God. And let me ask you a question this morning because I promise you there will come times when you need to stand firm, you need to stand fast, and you may have to stand alone on your faith in Jesus Christ. So let me ask you this morning, are you filled with the Holy Spirit? Are you filled up with God? Because if you're not, it's going to be difficult to stand alone. Being filled with the Holy Spirit is not just for a few people. It's not just for the preacher. It's not just for the song leader or for the missionary or for the evangelist. Let me say something to you. The average Christian may not be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the normal one is. Let me say that again. The average Christian may not be filled with the Holy Spirit, but the normal one will be. Because, see, that's the way God intended it. That's His plan from the beginning that when we receive Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to take residence in our life. And folks, listen to me. He doesn't just want to be resident in your life. He wants to be president in your life. He wants to have total control of your life. And when we, when we live the normal, if we live that model which God intended for each and every one of us, we will be filled with the Holy Spirit. So that's why I say, that's why I say maybe the average Christian is not filled with the Holy Spirit, but the normal one is. I heard about a little shoe shine boy, and he was standing on the corner shining shoes, and a man had his shoes shined, and he said, What's uh, uh what's your average tip? And the boy said, ten dollars. I kind of looked at him and uh he gave him, to, gave him, he gave him the ten dollars, and the little boy said, "Thank you. You're the first one that met the average." And uh, and uh, and that's the way that's the way it is sometimes, isn't it? Uh, God wants us to be more than just average. He wants us to be normal. He wants us to be how He intended it to be in the beginning. When you're saved, the Holy Spirit comes to live within you and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit three times a lot of things happen but I'm going to share with you three things this morning that happen when the Holy Spirit comes to live within you and you're filled with the Holy Spirit first of all you're filled with wisdom 
Secondly, you're filled with faith. And thirdly, you're filled with power. I want you to take notice this morning because there will come a time when you'll need to stand alone and you'll need to understand what God is doing in your life. So let's look at those three things. And the first point of my message this morning is when you're filled with the Holy Spirit, you will be filled with the wisdom to speak for God. You will be filled with the wisdom to speak for God. As you study through chapter 7, and I would encourage you to do that, it is a great uh, chapter in Holy Scripture. I would challenge you to study it. But as you do, you'll notice that uh, uh, Stephen's sermon was built upon Bible history. He talked about the early patriarchs. He talked about uh, Moses in Egypt. He talked about different things that were part of the historical record of the people of Israel. And it wasn't because, he didn't know all of those things because of intellectual knowledge, but he got it from supernatural wisdom. And where did he get it from? Where did he get that supernatural wisdom? He got it from being filled with the Holy Spirit. Stephen didn't have a PhD. He wasn't a graduate from one of the early universities. He was a common, ordinary man. And uh, he just, God gave him the words and God gave him the understanding. God gave him the wisdom that he needed to do what he did. I don't know if it's going to happen in our lifetime or not. But in the book of Luke, you don't have to turn to it, uh, but in the book of Luke in chapter 21, it talks about people, how in those last days people are going to be uh, arrested, people are going to be persecuted, people are going to be tortured, people are going to even be put to death. I don't know if that will happen in my lifetime, but I do believe that there are going to be times when people are persecuted I think that may be even going on right now. There are people in the world today that, are, that uh, have uh, hurtful feelings toward the body of Christ and people who want to share the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ. In that passage in, uh, in the gospel of Luke, uh, Jesus said to settle in your heart what you're going to say. Don't wait and meditate on that, but to settle in your heart. And what he's saying is that we need to settle in our heart right now. Don't wait until the challenge comes. Don't wait until we're confronted with the difficulty or the circumstance. But settle in your heart right now what you're going to do. And he says, then God will give you the wisdom. God will give you the words. He would give you the tongue of learned men, the Bible says, and he will teach you. He will give you what to say in that time, and uh, you will have the opportunity to speak for Jesus. Could cost you, I don't know, it might cost you something. It could cost you your job. It might cost you some opportunities. It might cost you a little bit of popularity. There may be some that look down upon you because you stand fast, you stand firm, and you speak 
the wisdom of God, which is different from the wisdom of this world. But Jesus said to settle in your heart. In other words, make that decision now. Don't wait until the challenge comes. Make that decision that you're going to stand for Christ. You're going to speak for him, and he'll give you the words. Just as he gave the wisdom to Stephen, he will give that wisdom to you. Folks, listen to me. We don't have to be the smartest person in the world. We don't have to be the most eloquent speaker in the room. Let Jesus live through your life. He'll teach you. He'll give you the words. I know we have opportunities sometimes. And God gives, if you're a born-again believer in Christ, He'll give you opportunities to share the good news, to share the gospel with others. And I've heard people say, and, and, and I understand it, they say, well, I'm just afraid. I, I mean, I don't know if I'd know what to say. You open, you settle in your heart, you make the decision right now that if he gives you that opportunity, you will, you will take that opportunity and he'll give you what to say. Now, that doesn't mean when he says don't, don't wait, don't meditate over it, he's not saying don't learn the scriptures. He's not saying don't study the Bible. He's not saying don't understand how you come to know Jesus as your Lord and Savior. What he's saying there, what he's saying there is that when you open your mouth, he'll give you the things to say. He'll cause you to bring to mind the things that you need. So, he'll give you, number one, the wisdom to speak for Christ. He'll also uh, give you the courage to stand for Christ. Look in verse is 51 and 52. It says you stiff. He, 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 he's talking to people. He's talking to people that hated him. He's talking to people that hated the church. He's talking to people that were anti-Christian. He was said, he says, you stiff-necked and uncircumcised heart and ears, you always resist the Holy Spirit as your fathers did, so do you, which of you uh, which of the prophets did your fathers not persecute? And they killed those who foretold the coming of the just one of or whom uh, you now have become a betrayer and a murderer. In other words, he was calling them out. Uh, can I say something to you this morning? I think the church the modern-day church has become too timid. We, we've gotten, I mean, this, and I, I, I don't, I, how, how, the only way I know to describe it is that, that woke mentality. We don't want to hurt anybody's feelings. I mean, we have to be accepting of every single thing that comes along, or we might hurt somebody's feelings. That's not the biblical way, folks. I mean, I don't want... I, listen, I'm not going to stand in judgment of anybody. You know, my, you know my past. I'm not standing in judgment. I'm not saying I'm better than anybody. 
But that doesn't mean that we don't stand up for what's right. Amen? That we don't stand up for what's true. And if we're going to be the church that God wants us to be here in Bells, Texas, we need to have the courage to speak up. We need to have the courage to stand up for what's right. I believe, I believe that when we settle in our heart that we're going to be that church, God will give us the wisdom and He will give us the courage to be willing to stand up. Uh, let me tell you what courage is. Courage is fear that said its prayer. Amen? Courage is fear that said its prayer. Courage is not the absence of fear. It's not the absence of fear. It's the mastery of fear. It doesn't mean that we fear, that we don't have fear in our lives. Of course there's fear, but in Christ we've mastered that fear, and that's what courage... Luke here in the book of Acts was describing people to, uh, that wanted to kill him. That wanted to kill him. man was beaten up one day and the police came and he said, they asked him, can you describe the man that beat you up? He said, that's what I was doing when he beat me up. <laughs> I mean, sometimes we have to be willing to pay the price. Amen. Sometimes it may cost us something, but God will give us the courage to be what we need to be. Just as his wisdom was supernatural, his courage was supernatural. Stephen was standing and standing alone. Remember, Jesus said in Matthew chapter 10 and verse 28, he says, Fear not him who can kill the body, but is not able to kill the soul, but rather fill him, fear him who is able to destroy both body and soul. What he meant there is that if you can kneel before God, you can stand before any man. You need not be afraid to uh, stand and stand alone for Jesus. Say, well, Pastor, I'm just not, I'm sorry. I'm just not wired that way. Guess what? Neither am I. Neither is anybody else. It's supernatural. It comes when we settle in our heart what God wants us to be and that we're willing to do what He, we, that's what, remember, remember what our, our theme is for this year is growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, growing both in grace and in the knowledge. We need, to, we need to ask for God's grace to be able to do that which we ordinarily wouldn't be able to do in the knowledge that He has promised us that, there, that He will be with us, that He will never leave us or forsake us, and that in Him we can accomplish everything that uh, He calls us to do. Paul said to Timothy, God's not given you a spirit 
of fear, but of power and love and a sound mind. Now, you have to understand, Stephen was taken outside the city. And he was stoned to death. You know, there were, I could tell you about two preachers in that early church. One was Peter. Peter stood up to preach on, uh, and 3,000 people were saved. Stephen stood up to preach and they stoned him to death. They carried him out and they pounded him. They pounded the life out of him with stones until finally he closed his eyes and he breathed his last. But when he did that, he woke up in the arms of Jesus. Now, folks, listen to me. I don't know what he said to Stephen, but I think I do. I think he said, thank you, Stephen. Thank you for speaking up. Thank you for standing up. Thank you for being willing to suffer for me. Because understand this, Stephen, your death was a testimony. Because you see, as they were standing, as they were stoning you, there was another young man that was standing there. His name was Saul. He watched how you lived. He watched how you took what they were doing to you. He watched how you died. And uh, I'm going to make that man an apostle. I'm going to make him the apostle Paul. Folks, listen to me. Be filled with the Spirit. And you'll have the wisdom to speak for Christ. You'll have the courage to stand for Christ. And you'll have the faith to suffer for Christ. Just because you have wisdom and courage doesn't mean you won't suffer. See, we're twice-born people living in a world of once-born people. And they don't care and they don't believe what we care about and what we believe, it may cost you that job. It may cost you that popularity. Jesus never said that he came to keep you out of trouble, but that he would be with you in times of trouble. He didn't say that he would keep you from suffering. He said he will comfort you when you do suffer. Standing for Christ cost Stephen his life. He was a good man. Stephen was. He was a good Christian. And why did he have to suffer that way? I want you to listen to me this morning. I want you to, I want you to pay special attention to what I'm about to say. Because you see, folks, please hear me when I say this. The real question is not why. Do some Christians suffer? The, Christ, the, the question is not, why do some Christians suffer? I think the question is, why do some 
Christians not so? That's the real question we need to ask ourselves. Why do some Christians not suffer? The Bible says all that live godly in Christ will suffer persecution. If you've never suffered for Christ, I believe you ought to ask yourself why. Historically, Stephen was the first that we know of. Stephen was the first Christian martyr. And by the way, did you know that the word, the Greek word, the biblical word for martyr is the same word that's used for witness? Martyr and witness in the Greek is the same word. See, folks, listen to me. Stephen was not a martyr because he died for his faith. Stephen died for his faith because he was a martyr. Does that make sense? Because he was willing to speak. He was willing to stand fast. He was willing to stand up for Jesus. I want to read to you. I'm almost finished here. Let me read to you uh, just a passage of Scripture. We talk about Hebrews chapter 11 a lot and how it is God's hall of fame. And, and uh, But a lot of times we leave out starting in verse 32. Let me read this to you. And what more shall I say? For the time would fail me to tell of Gideon and Barak and uh, Samson and Jephthah, also of David and Samuel and the prophets, who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the violence of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, out of weakness were made strong, became valiant in battle, turned to flight the armies, of the aliens, women received their dead, raised to life again. Others were tortured, not accepting uh, deliverance that they might obtain a better resurrection. Still others had trials of mockings and scourgings, yes, and of chains and imprisonment. They were stoned and they were sawn in two, were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They wandered about in sheepskin and goatskins being destitute, afflicted, tormented, of whom the world was not worthy. They wandered in deserts and mountains and dens and caves of the earth. And all these, having obtained a good testimony through faith, did not receive the promise God, having provided something better for us, that they should not be made perfect apart from us. What he's talking about, these are people in the Old Testament that uh, paid the price and they never received the they never saw Jesus they didn't know they didn't experience the grace and the fullness of what it means to see the son of God become a man and walk among us and die on Calvary's cross for us they never experienced all of that but yet they went through how did they die the bible says they died through faith they died through faith See, the great question is this. 
Not do you have the faith to escape, but do you have the faith to endure? Not do you have the faith to be delivered, but do you have the faith to die for Jesus? Not do you have the faith to be healed, but do you have the faith to not be healed and still praise God? Faith is the answer. Faith is the answer. Faith is what will enable you to stand alone. Amen? Let's pray together. Father, we thank you for today. I thank you for these folks that are here this morning. I ask you, Lord, to be with each and every one of us. I pray, God, that you would take these words and apply it to our hearts. I ask you, Lord, if you would, please indeed speak to people this morning. Thank you for your goodness. Thank you for your grace. Thank you for the opportunity to be called a Christian. Lord, we just ask you to bless me. In Jesus' name, amen.